0: What's up, Crossover fam? This is Tammy. We want to thank you for tuning in to our podcast. God has been moving in major ways in our community, and we're so glad that you get to be a part of it. We pray that this message encourages and inspires you to live out your calling in Christ. Enjoy this week's message. So we are continuing um, Paradigm Shift series. And today I wanted to, to talk about Mind Shift. Say Mind Shift. Because we have to have a shift in our mind in order to have a shift in the paradigm. And one thing that I know about the mind is the mind is kind of like the ocean. Like we don't have it all figured out. The human mind is so complex and so complicated. Even neurosurgeons and brain doctors don't fully understand how the mind works. Um, I like the ocean. Any of y'all like the ocean? Anybody like the ocean? Anybody afraid of the ocean? Hey, raise your hand. We're going to have some people afraid of the ocean. And the reason why people are afraid of the ocean, because there are things that live in the ocean. Dun-dun, 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 right? Remember that movie back in the day, Jaws? Ever since that movie came out, a lot of people don't swim in the ocean because of that movie. And one thing, we're, 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 we keep identifying new species of fish and corals, and other living things every single day that live in the ocean. Well, I want to compare the mind that is literally inside of your head to the ocean. Every day, we, as people who carry this mind, are called to discover the way that it works on a daily basis, because if we don't really fully understand how our mind works. Everything first begins right here in the mind, How many of y'all are actually blinking your eyes this morning? You're blinking your eyes. Like, you ever play that game, let's see who blinks first? Y'all remember that game? Let's see who blinks first. Everybody at some point has to blink their eyes. And it's not something you really even think about. You actually do that subconsciously, meaning your mind is telling your eyelids to close because your eyes are getting dry and they have to moisture like the windshield wipers of your body. And you ever get something in your eye before and you just blink your eyes, you close your eyes, you start to rub your eyes a little bit? It's, it's human nature. It's what we're supposed to be doing. How many of y'all are breathing right now? How many of y'all your heart is beating right now? Blood is going through, your, through, through every part of your body right now because that's what the body is supposed to do. But all of this is controlled by your mind. And it's doing it without you telling it what to do. In Proverbs 23, 7, it says this, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And this is why it's critical for us to really understand who Jesus says that we are. Who God says that you are. What is your life's purpose? Why are we here? Why was I, was I born? It's critical for us to really understand that because our thoughts will try to contradict what he says on a daily basis. Did you know that? Some of us are thinking things that are contrary to who Jesus says we are in his word. And it's so important for us to really understand his word and get to know his word because our thoughts can negatively affect us, not only physically, spiritually, but also emotionally. And so our thought life, It's imperative that we take control of what is going on in our minds. I was reading something. I was was, was writing this, and it talked about the negative physical aspects of having bad things running through your mind or negative thinking. It says this, negative attitudes and feelings of helplessness and hopelessness can create chronic stress, which upsets the body's hormone balance depletes the brain chemicals required for happiness, and damages the immune system. Chronic stress can actually decrease our lifespan. Poorly managed or or repressed anger or hostility is also related to a slew of health conditions such as hypertension, a.k.a. high blood pressure, cardiovascular disease, digestive disorders, and infections. So this is critical that we learn how to control our thought life. We learn how to have a paradigm shift in our mindset and in our minds because it actually has to do with our health as well. Some of y'all are identifying with some of those things that I, that I read, and you're thinking to yourself right now, I wonder if I have this situation because of the way that I've been thinking my whole life. I wonder if I've, I have this condition because it's the way that I've been thinking. I wonder I can't sleep at night. I wonder my mind is drifting 100 miles an hour. I wonder if that's the reason why. Because you've actually believed the lie somewhere along the lines. So we have to learn how to conquer and control our thought life. And the first thing I want to I share with you, our thought life is actually where we live with the person of Jesus. That's where we live with Jesus. You know, Jesus isn't here in the physical form. He's here in spirit. And Jesus talks about us walking with him, talking with him. The Bible talks about praying without ceasing. That doesn't mean we have to be locked in a room for 24 hours a day praying unto the Lord, even though that's a good thing. Sometimes it's just about going about life, talking to God in the context of our thought life and in our minds. We can sing songs in our minds. We can think of Jesus and what he's doing in our minds. The world, the flesh, and the enemy continually tries to make us go dark internally. He tries to make us, you know, kind of black out so that he could gain authority and destroy us outwardly. See, see, the enemy just don't come and, like, beat you up physically, What the enemy does is cast little seeds of lies and gets you to believe them right here in your mind. And then all of a sudden, over time, you start to see things destroying outwardly. I read this scripture all the time. I think we read in the last two weeks, Ephesians 6.12. For our struggle, our struggle, your struggle, my struggle isn't against flesh and blood. But it's against rulers, against authorities, against powers of darkness, against spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. This is why it says in 2 Corinthians 10.5 that we have to take every thought captive and make it obedient to that of Christ Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is the truth and every lie is always subject to the truth. So when we start thinking of things that we know are contrary to the kingdom, we have to subject it to what? The truth, which is Jesus, a.k.a. his word. And this is why if we don't know the word, we're in trouble. If you just come here on Sundays to get the word, you're in trouble. You got to get that thing inside of you. You got to read the word for yourself. You got to study and show yourself approved. You got to get that word inside of you. So that when the lies come, and let me tell you something, they're coming. They're com- the lies are coming. He is constantly like slinging his fiery darts at you. Constantly. But they have no power over the truth. We got to take every thought captive and make it obedient to that of Christ Jesus. Ephesians 4.26 says this, don't give the devil a foothold. He doesn't want a foot. He wants your whole purpose. He wants to take you out. Why? The enemy seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. And a foothold is actually not just talking about a foot, even though, you know, if somebody grabs your foot and you're running, you're going to trip up. Remember back in the day, we used to do that thing where you kick somebody's foot and it, and it hit their leg? Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Somebody walking in front of you, kick their foot in elementary school, and then they trip and fall. <laughs> it's funny. But when you get older, it's not that funny because you fall and you, you might break something. You know, you hit your 30s or 40s, all of a sudden somebody trip you, you angry. And the devil, the devil is trying to trip you up to divert you from God's purpose for your life. And the term foothold is not just, you know, talking about the physical foot. It's actually a military word. When the army could get a foothold, right, on the other army or the other people that they're, that they're trying to take out, it's like in Normandy, in World War II, right, when, when they stormed the beach of Normandy, right, they, they, they got a foothold on the beach. They took over the beach. And so if they're able to take over part, then they go to the next part. They take over that part, then the next part, and then they take over that part. It's not like a one-time thing. They got to start somewhere, and they got to get a foothold, and that's what the enemy is trying to do in your life. When the enemy establishes a foothold in your ways of thinking, He doesn't stay isolated just in your thought life. His intent is to steal, kill, and destroy everything good in your life. Everything good. You're like, oh, my marriage is good. The enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy in the context of relationship. Oh, my money is right now. The enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy in the context of that. Oh, I'm walking out my purpose. The enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy like it says in John 10.10. But we can catch our thoughts before they become a speech or an action. Because every action starts with agreeing to a thought. You don't just do things, you first think about things. My wife just celebrated her birthday. Yeah, her 21st birthday. 21. She's been 21 for a few years, but it's cool. It's cool. But, you know, as we're talking about what to do for her birthday, like, I was thinking in my mind, you know what I mean, what to do. It's things just don't appear and happen. You got to think about them first. James 3 says this. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a force a little fire kindles? And the tongue is a fire. A world of iniquity. The tongue is set amongst our members and it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And it's set on fire by what? By hell. What? There's power of life and death in the tongue. We are called to speak life, not death. And let me, let me be, be real. Even as your pastor, I have to catch myself sometimes because I'll be saying things that I'm thinking. And I know they're not always unto the Lord. I'll say things, and I'm like, oh, I probably shouldn't have said that. Or I say things just out of, out of emotion and out of character sometimes because I'm living in the flesh just like you. But we, we, we got to be able to catch those thoughts before we speak them or be, before they become actions. I love Ephesians 4, 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth but only what is helpful for building up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Ephesians 5, 2, walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved you and gave himself up for you as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Unforgiveness and judgment are the two most destructive things that we can keep in our thought life. Somebody did something to you, and you're holding on to that for years and years and years and years. And that thing is just growing and growing and growing. And the enemy means it for destruction. Resentment rises up in our hearts. We don't want to get in another relationship because of our past relationship. And, and so we, we tell God that he's not allowed in these certain areas because we're protecting ourselves from getting hurt again. We go into defensive mode. Luke 6, 37, do not judge or you will be judged. Do not condemn or you will be condemned. That's the first thing we do in our minds. We start to condemn people based on the way that they treated us or based, based on the way that they talk or based on the way that they look even. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. We overlook that in the Bible. We do. Jesus says, unless you forgive your neighbor, you won't be forgiven yourself. And so we hold on to this unforgiveness in our minds. We might say it with our mouth, yeah, I forgive them. But see, something's going on in our heart and in our minds that is contrary to what we're saying. And thank God that Jesus doesn't just pay attention to what we say. He's looking at our hearts. He's looking at what's going on in our minds. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Give and it will be given unto you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured unto you. Our thought life is where we live with Jesus. But God has given us some tools. Or some weapons it's my second point we must allow his love joy and peace to invade our thoughts the strongest weapons we can use to take every thought captive and make it obedient to that of Christ Jesus comes from this experiencing the supernatural love and power of the Holy Spirit when you can get time with the Holy Spirit, and you you receive his love, his grace, his mercy, his peace, his joy, that is the number one weapon that can come against these negative thoughts in our minds. God releases love, joy, and peace and overwhelms our negative thoughts with goodness. Thank God for that in Jesus' name. Thank God for that. We can overcome fear. We can overcome anxiety. We can overcome all the things that is going on between our ears because of his joy that was set before him. Hebrews 12, 2. I love that verse. For the joy set before him. Jesus endured the cross. And one, one word I want to point out to you in this scripture. Endured. Endured. In the midst of all this negative things happening. In the midst of going to a cross. Jesus endured it. How did he endure it? He endured it because of the joy that was set before him. 2 Timothy 4, 5, but you, talking to you and me. This is Paul speaking to me and you. But you. Keep your head in all situations. Some of us are walking through situations right now that we're worried about. Some of us are walking through situations right now that we're afraid of. Some of us are walking through situations that we don't really know what to do. But he's saying, keep your head in all situations. Here comes that word again. Endure what? Hardships. Endure. Some of us don't think it's not, God, where are you at? Why am I going through this? When God is saying, no, I'm not going to remove you through it, what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk with you through it. But you have to endure. You have to learn how to endure. And you know how you endure? By changing this thing right here, changing your perception at what's going on in your life. You're like, God, where are you? Why am I still in this situation and he's saying, I'm right here. You're just not listening to me. Change the way you're thinking about the situation. I'm walking with you through it. I'm teaching you how to endure. There's something about endurance that we need to learn. Endure hardships. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. 2 Timothy, again, 2-3. Join me in suffering like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. We don't want to talk about that. We want to talk about how God wants to prosper us, give us hope and a future. But listen, he will do that. But at the same time, you're going to suffer in this life. You're going to have to learn how to endure. And the only way you're going to learn how to endure is by changing this thing right here. Jesus experienced a powerful anointing of the Holy Spirit, came down in the form of a dove when he was baptized, and then right after that, that same Holy Spirit led him into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Imagine those thoughts. Did God really say? I mean, listen, the devil isn't slick. The devil isn't smart. We give him way too much credit. He says the same lies that he said 2,000 years ago to us today. Did God really tell you not to do that? If you're really you know, a believer, you just do this, just do that. And see, Jesus was tempted just as you and me are tempted, yet without sin. And thank God for that. The same love, the same joy, the same peace that came to us and transformed our emotions and thoughts is in the person of Jesus. Romans eight fourteen. for those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received bought or brought about your adoption to sonship. I love that. By, while we cry out, Abba, Father, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. I want you to say, I'm God's child. I want you to say it like you mean it. I'm God's child. Now I want you to say something. i say, I'm God's favorite. favorite. Well, how could you be his favorite and the person next to you be his favorite? That's what you got to, you got to convince yourself that you're his favorite. Everybody is his favorite, but you, listen, you, daughter, you, son, you're his favorite. So you get, you get everything that the father wants to give you because you're his favorite. Now, see, he gives us what we need, not what we want, and thank God for that. Because if I got what I want, I wouldn't be standing here today. But it also enables us to clearly hear his voice. John 5, 19 through 20, Jesus gave them an answer. Verily, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing. But whatever the father does, the son also does. This is how we should be unto him. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. See, our thought life is where we live with Jesus. We must also allow his love, joy, and peace to invade our thoughts. And the third point is this. We have to learn how to follow his recipe. I like fresh-baked chocolate chip cookies. Can I get an amen? Come on, Jesus. Whew. Love me some chocolate chip cookies or brownies. You know what I mean? Brownies. Anybody like brownies, fresh baked brownies? Man, chocolate chip. Yeah, let's, let's just stay on chocolate chips for a second. I love me some chocolate chip cookies. Now, now, now let me be real. Like, like, I've seen people make them online before, and I've seen, I, I've been in other people's houses where they made homemade chocolate chip cookies. And, and me and Tammy have tried to make some homemade chocolate chip cookies and we were highly, highly, highly disappointed. You ever been there before? I stick to those tubes that they sell at at, at Walmart. You know what I'm talking about? The, those tubes. Because the, the recipe's already done. All you gotta do is stick them in the oven. But see, that's not if we wanna control our thought life, that's not how God works. God doesn't give you a a a, a tube of cookie dough to take. Control of your thoughts. You actually got to follow the recipe. We went to we went out the other night for her, for her birthday, and we got one of those cast iron skillets with chocolate chip cookie and a fresh scoop of ice cream with chocolate drizzle all over the top. Say, yeah. Say, oh, yeah. God is speaking to me right now. I hear him right now. <laughs> so I went out and bought a cast iron skillet. Yeah, I did. I got three of them. All different sizes. That's Tammy. Got them at Costco. But I say all that to say I could have all the tools in the drawer. I could have all the tools in the cabinet. But if I don't have the recipe, I won't get the results that I want. The Lord gives us a recipe when it comes to our thinking. And it comes from Philippians Chapter 4, verses 4 through 8. It says this Rejoice in the Lord always. When are you supposed to rejoice in the Lord? I will say it again. Rejoice. And one thing I've learned in all my years of walking with the Lord when the Lord says things twice, we got to pay attention. Why do you think he says it twice? Because we don't always rejoice in the Lord. When we're walking through situations, it's hard sometimes to rejoice when things don't feel good. When the chocolate chip cookies don't come out the way I want them to come out, it's hard to rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to who? All. Why? Because the Lord is near. I want you to pay attention to that. When you're walking through situations, when you're walking through things in your life, where is the Lord? The Lord's saying, "I am near to you." Verse 6. Do not be anxious about what? Anything. Some of us are so anxious about what's going on in our life. some are so anxious about things that, that is causing you know, health issues in our heart. It's causing us to have high blood pressure. It's causing us to not sleep at night. It's causing us to wake up in the middle of the night worried and afraid. It's causing different stuff to happen physically. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, in how many situations? Every one of them, by prayer and petition, With thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And I want you to pay attention to this verse right here, verse 7. This is the whole point. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Now I wish I could stand up here and explain why that happens if you do this. But I can't, and the reason why I can't is verse 7. The peace of God, which transcends all what? Understanding. We don't even understand the fullness of the ocean. We definitely don't understand the fullness of the mind. And we definitely can't understand the fullness of God. And if you do, your God isn't big enough. Mm. You think you got him figured out? It's a scary place to be. Finally, brothers and sisters, it's part of the recipe. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. I love for, for rejoicing, meaning praise him, worship him in all circumstances, in all situations. Verse five, in gentleness, meaning have a sense of humility where everything is is true and everything is is fair. Verse six, pray about everything. Actually, believe when you pray. Actually, have faith when you pray and remember what you pray for because I'm telling you, God is a God who answers prayers. It might not always be the way that we want them. I prayed something 20 years ago that I'm just seeing manifest in this year. And the Lord is reminding me about what I prayed for. Verse six, constant thanksgiving. It's a great eraser of destructive and negative thoughts. It's hard to think negative when you're thankful. God has given you many, many, many things to be thankful for. But we choose to focus on the negative instead of the good. That's what he's saying. Shift your thinking. Think about things that are noble. Think about things that are lovely. Think about things that are pure. The more you think about the negative, the more the enemy is going to get a foothold. That's what he's saying. That's the recipe right there. If your mind is ever wandering, I want you to go to Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 8. I want you to read it for yourself. And I want you to take the negative thoughts captive and make them obedient to the truth, which is the word. That's why it's so important that we get in the word as as disciples of Jesus. Our thought life is where we live with him, where we dance with him, where we commune with him, where we worship him. I believe that today I just I just sense this heaviness that some of us are walking through things that you know our minds are are bogging us down. There's things happening in our in our minds, even at night, especially. I just feel strongly about that. At night, our minds are racing and wandering. And the Lord's saying, listen, that's not, that's not my design. That's not what I want. I don't want you to live a, a stressful life to where you have hypertension, high blood pressure, heart disease, all this other stuff. He says, look, come to me, Jesus, and I will give you rest. One thing about rest, it doesn't mean just sitting down doing nothing. We can work and rest in him in the context of work. It's called peace. It's called peace. That in the midst of life, no matter what's going on around us, that the enemy can't steal the peace inside of us. And there's a war going on. And a lot of times we let the outward war influence the inward war between our ears. But be of good cheer. Jesus has already won the war. Jesus understands exactly where you're at. And Jesus wants to minister to your heart and your mind today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I thank you, God, for every person that's here today. Lord, I thank you, God, that we can take every thought captive and make it obedient to that of Christ Jesus, Lord. Help us to have a mind shift. That we recognize all the goodness and the grace and your mercy upon our lives. So anybody in this room today say, you know what, my mind has been filled with negative thoughts. I want you to slip your hand up just so I see you. I see you, I see you. This is for you today. You can put them down. I want us to pray this together. Father, fill my mind with your love. Fill my mind with your peace. Fill my mind with your joy. And help me to think on good things, on the things that you have done, on the things that you are doing, And help me to trust you that you have my life in your hands. That I don't have to take control. All I have to do is surrender. This is the day the Lord has made. I will be glad and rejoice in it. In Jesus' name. Father God, we celebrate all you're doing in this church. We celebrate all you're doing in this family. Hallelujah, Lord God. Bless you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Man, what a powerful message. We want to thank you for tuning in. I hope that this week's word blessed and encouraged you. God is doing some amazing things in our community, and we're so glad to have you be a part of it. If you're new to our ministry, we would love to connect with you. You can go to crossoverchurchatl.com backslash connect and fill out the information so that we can stay connected. Also, if you would like to give to help support our ministry, you can go to crossoverchurchatl.com backslash give. Thanks and God bless.